there is a fight going on. And uh, again, as we're moving into the sermon about Galatians, there's a lot of things in this short little book that's going to uh, occupy us for the rest of the summer. But the good thing is, uh, I want you to know as we begin, my, my heart's desire is your heart's desire, is that I'm looking at this passage with this primary focus that your heart would be set free. And what that means for Paul and what that means for the Galatians is that the hearts are set free. Just kind of looking at that scene, that if you're on the beach, I was thinking about you, Amy, and being on the beach and relaxing, the how, how comfortable, how calm it is just to watch those waves come in, the skies, just nothing, just a real serenity, a peace that would take place that you would know that peace that passes understanding as if you were right there looking at that scene. But in chapter 1, we have, as I mentioned last week, a different kind of scenario that we have a turbulent scene. And this scene, uh, when you get into uh, that beach, is going to be cold and frigid, and it can be painful if the rain's coming off or the sand's blowing. And that's what you've got in the situation where there are perverts are coming in to destroy the gospel. There are deserters, and then Paul comes in to assert or reassert some things. And so today I'm going to uh, open up the book to help us understand some things that were going on. And uh, there's a couple of, uh, there's a lot of things in here that will help you learn how to communicate the gospel to people in our day and age as we go back and we learn from Paul. But the situation was dangerous. Is quite serious because Paul was Paul was super concerned uh, not only about his own safety, but there's something far greater going on in this book. Even for me, as I study and I as I listen, because I I do put lots of time in here, and the reason why I do is I don't know I didn't count them all. Twenty five hours this week on the study alone to think about what's going on in this book. And then how do you bring it forward? So when you come to the church, my, my heart is, you're here to be fed. You need some input that's really going to be grounding you to live your life in such a way. So I take this very, very seriously. And what happens back there in that perfect storm scenario is you've got a situation, much as Jesus warned about, he says, beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And there were men who were ravenous wolves moving into the Galatian areas. And Jesus would say, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every tree bears good fruit. Every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. And you'll know them by their fruits. Well, this is what's going on. And just so you understand, Paul picked this up. And he writes later on into the book of Ephesus when he's putting in positions of leadership in the church to oversee and protect the, the believers. And he would say, as he would leave Ephesus, be on guard. Keep your guard up. Wake up. Be aware. For, all the, for yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
And when the Holy Spirit wants to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so Paul would say, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw the disciples away from them. Now, as you get into this book of Galatians, I want to take you back to uh, a couple of sermons previously. When John Mark had left Barnabas and Paul, there was conflict, internal conflict that he had to deal with on the team. But there's also a conflict that Paul had to learn how to deal with lessons not only in-house, but out-house. Well, not out-house, but outside of the church. And so uh, the idea that to handle conflict, to be a, a godly person and to handle conflict in such a way that you would be faithful to your call and not compromise and not be in a position where you're going to be consumed or destroyed and so Paul would teach Timothy and, and, and uh, others, as you'll see later on, Peter and, uh, and the churches in Galatia. How do you stay focused on your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you are called to walk with him in a way that's worthy of who he is? And so Paul would say, you know, there's going to be a conflict that's going to push you off, just kind of like those waves. And he's going to try to help the church learn how to love and give the grace of the gospel when there's disagreement. And that's the tension. There's going to be a tension. And so you'll notice uh, in, in Paul's description of himself, when he went to the Thessalonians, in Thessalonians, Paul would say, in 1 Thessalonians 2, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you is not without results. And we have suffered and we have been mistreated outrageously in Philippi and other places, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For our, our appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, and we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. And so here he would go on to say, speaking of Father's Day, you, you are witnesses, and so is God how devoutly and uprightly we behave towards you. Uh, just as you know how we were exhorting, one, encouraging, two, and imploring, three, each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in that manner, worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul was in the fight. Paul was in the ministry. And if you're not in a fight, you're not in the ministry. But Paul was working to do to help them have this conviction at the core that their hearts would be touched in such a way that they would be free because they know who Jesus Christ was. They would be so convinced and devoted and faithful to Christ 
that that was the only aim that Paul had was to help people be connected to Christ. Last week I mentioned that that all stress and conflict comes because of disconnection. But when there's connection and there's unity, then there's going to be a real sense of, of God at work among his people. And yet the cultural currents of their day, just like the cultural currents of our day, are trying to rip apart your relationship with Christ, trying to keep you distracted, trying to keep you off kilter. And yet the whole scripture, all the scripture, the Spirit of God, the fellowship, everything about the gospel speaks to one thing, that there is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. And that grace that Jesus brings to you, the fact that he would embrace you, he would forgive you, he would welcome and love you because of that cross and because of that resurrection, you have a confidence that would be unshakable. That's what Paul wanted. And yet, and yet, when you think about your life in Chesterland or wherever you are, when you think about your life, most people don't think about life from the point of view of Galatians. And so as you read this book, you think, well, that happened 2,000 years ago. And therefore, you may have a question. And the question is, well, how can this book help me? I mean, what, what am I supposed to get out? What are the benefits for me? And, and the friends that I have, how will this help me live a better life? Which is, which is a legitimate question. But, but some people think, well, that's an old story. We don't really need to study that. Do we? It's, it's 2,000 years old, and nobody knows those hard names back there and don't know the places. And so why would you have to study all that? Can't we just kind of skip that and get on with Christian life today? Because there's that kind of thinking. But the question I have is, is you're sitting there and I'm here. As we approach this book, our attitude is, God, you're trying to teach us something through the book of Galatians. Your Holy Spirit wants to illuminate my heart in such a way that I learn something from Paul as Paul disciples us all that would draw me closer to him. There are lessons in here, but, time, but sometimes it's difficult to think that uh, what, what was going on there doesn't affect what's going on in my heart here. So my question is, Again, keep this in the forefront. How will this help you set your heart free? That's my question as I'm reading through and going through as a pastor thinking, what do you need to be more free, committed, loving, gracious as a kingdom kid? And so as we go in this, I want to remind you of a couple of passages of Scripture. Paul would write to the Romans, he says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. The Scriptures give hope to then and today. But know this, that it's not just the Bible. It's not just reading the Bible that's going to give you hope, that there's the author behind the Bible who said, I'm going to give you, uh, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. Therefore, 
we don't come to a book. We come to the living Lord, the author of the book, who's going to make known his communication so that you understand. Jesus would say it this way. It's not, uh, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. But the words that I have spoken to you, my words are spirit and life. Of course, Christ knew that proverb that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. For as you think in your heart, so is he, said Solomon. Well, as you go into the scriptures, you want to listen to the Lord, but you also want to listen to your heart. Because as you consider your ways and you think about how is your heart in relationship to Christ's heart. And so David would say, I considered my ways and I turned my feet to thy testimonies. I hastened. I eagerly pursued. I didn't wait. I just kind of, I hastened and I did not delay to keep thy commandments. Well, in our day and age, we have a tension. And I'm going to talk about this tension because we're in a cultural warfare where we have uh, a tension that we have a culture that wants to promote humanity and kindness and civility and respect and loving people that's more humanistic at the expense of truth. And therefore, it's not truth versus love. It's truth and love. But if you don't have truth and you don't have love, what you're going to have is this. You're going to have some error, some distortion, some misperception that's going to be based on a lie, some assumption that cuts God out of the picture. Somehow I can make my life work without God. And let me tell you, we are committed to that proposition as sinners. I will find a way without the Lord to work in my life, if I have to manipulate my family, if I have to manipulate my work world, if I have to manipulate you, people manipulate in order to meet their needs. And that's why Paul said, no, no, if you're going to follow that error, you're going to follow the, suppress the truth and exchange it for a lie, you're going to go into a darkened heart. And that's going to lead you to hatred. Paul's going to talk about that later on. But uh, right now, Tim Keller would say it this way, that love without truth is sentimentality. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we can't really hear it. And therefore, to understand that you and I, like the Galatians back then, we walk on a, on a tightrope of tension where we, we have these two themes. And as a pastor, I, as I'm struggling with this as well, that as I'm trying to bring to you some information, you've got these two points here where you have, a, we, we want to think biblically, we want to think about the truth. And in that truth, we want to think it as God's revealed truth that there's something about what God has revealed that directly affects me. Or the second thing, we, we have a tension on this side where, where we have this idea of it affects our relationships. And we want that truth to make us powerful in our relationships as we move in and out of the church and outside of the church. 
But the question is, so what? How is that truth relevant to me where I am today here in Chester in 2020? Or for you? So, what we've got in the book of Galatians is a bringing of these two truths together. And you remember, just real briefly, that in the book of Galatia, there is a situation going on that is split in the, in the region. The northern half of this area is called uh, Galatia as referring to the race of people. It's a race. It's an ethnic group. And that ethnic group of Gentiles coming from the Gauls and 300 years previous when they conquered that area, it was, a, it was an ethnic group, a tribal group. And Galatia also is known as a, an area, a geographic region, where Paul went to in the southern part of Antioch, Lystra, Iconium, and Derby. But when Paul went there as a missionary, make no mistake, at the core, at the core, what Paul was trying to drive is this, is he says the primacy the centrality, the sufficiency of this message of Jesus Christ is God. That cross is proof that he is the Messiah. His resurrection is the proof that we follow Christ. And that's the message they were taking to the Gauls. They were taking to the, to the Gentiles. They were taking to the Jews. They were taking that message that there's only one thing that's really important. Is Jesus Christ. And that's the center line of everything he says. But in our, in our day and age, we've lost that center. We've lost that center, as Donald Bloss would say, what's really striking, what's really striking in our theology and in our culture is you've got a whole liberal strand of thinking that passes off as Christian that says you don't have to believe in the resurrection to be a Christian. You don't even have to believe in the, the Bible to be a Christian. You just take the Christian virtues, and you can be a Christian in any, any way you want to today because we're America. You're free to believe what you want to believe, which is true. But the point is uh, they've lost sight of the message of the Bible, and they've lost sight of the meaning of the cross. And because you've got this liberal group that's influencing us, just like they were back in Galatia, there's a relevancy to this message. You may have heard it this way when Niebuhr said, what we have in our culture is a demand that we want a God without wrath, no judgment. We want a God without wrath who brought men into the kingdom without judgment, through the ministrations of a Christ, without a cross. To distort the gospel so much that it becomes an own gospel. And therefore, this is an older quote, but you begin to see how current, some current pastors are trying to appeal to, market those that are unbelievers in order to get them into the church. Let me tell you, if the gospel doesn't bring people to the church, no marketing will. Because that market may get you into a group of people, but it won't get you into the kingdom. And therefore, what's at stake is something very, very significant. 
And the stake is this. Three points that Paul's really going to hammer through this book is one, your salvation. And you're going to have questions about your salvation. And uh, you should have questions. And so this is a place to find how does man get saved? How does someone become right with God when their lives have sin and they're under judgment? That's the first question that, that the, the gospel, that, that Galatians is going to answer through the gospel. How are you saved? And then two, a second question, how do these Jewish believers in Galatia, with those people up north that are a different tribe, a different race, they're Gentiles, how will they come, how will they come to the point of being free to respect and love somebody who's so different? That heart, there's something that's got to happen in the heart for that to change. But how are these Jews going to get along with the Gentiles? And how are the Gentiles going to get along with the Jews? That theme is going to come in. You'll hear in a minute. But, again, the question for us is, okay, but how does this grace thing work in my heart? How does grace really set my heart free? Because sometimes I don't, I don't understand grace. And so this book will help you understand that grace makes the unacceptable acceptable. Whatever that is, grace will help make the unacceptable acceptable. And this is the theme throughout various people, people who, uh, from uh, Charles Wesley, from F.F. F. Bruce, and Flannery O'Connor, they're always writing about this heart set free, heart set free. Is your heart set free? Is my heart set free? Well, I have to think about what's that mean. Well, I want you to know this, that without you knowing about this, there are many commentaries that are writing about what this means. And the first three on the left-hand side are three theologians. One you know of Martin Luther. The whole Reformation is taking on this theme of salvation. The book of Galatians is about salvation. How do you get saved? And Martin Luther picked up by John Stott, a conservative evangelical from England, famous. Again, he thinks that the book of Galatians is about your salvation. And so does Douglas Moo. They're, they're conservative believers. We would call them biblical believers who think that this book is going to be read with a purpose. Only one purpose is about your salvation. But there are other new studies that are coming in that are saying this. Um, for the last 30, 50 years, there's something more going on in Galatia than just your salvation. And so Gordon Fee, a Pentecostal, who's well-known, who's saying there's more going on here because there's something that's going on in the human heart, as does James Dunn and Tom Wright. And what they're saying is this, that the, that the Galatians is not only about salvation, but salvation is about that heart that needs to learn how to love people who are different. And if it's not just personal salvation, me and Jesus, if that's the mark of getting into the kingdom, I just need to accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, I'm going to go to heaven. And a whole lot of people are saying, nope, you just can't accept Jesus as your Savior. 
and not accept him as Lord. There's more to this story. And the story is this, that if you are going to be in the kingdom camp, then it's going to affect how you relate to people socially. And what it means in particular is that the issues of, of your attitude towards different kinds of people groups. And you'll find as we get into the book of Galatia, there's something going on far deeper than just the doctrine. Well, here's this point. This tension that you have of thinking biblically and relating powerfully, that's a nice little phrase until you get to the point of uh, thinking about doctrine. I may have the right doctrine. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that Jesus resurrected. I believe the doctrine. But most of you here would not be struggling as you read the Bible with, well, I don't know um, if the incarnation of Jesus, uh, you won't be thinking doctrinal questions about salvation so much because you kind of understand that and lay it But the question of life, how do you take this doctrine and make it real? And that's the issue. How do you take that gospel of grace and change it into and become part of who you are? And therefore, this idea that you have these two, two poles, you've got what you think you believe and how you live what you believe, and sometimes they don't match. Three points that Galatians will get to is going to answer. Who are the people of God? Who's included in that answer? Define who they are. Who are the people of God? Are you part of the kingdom? Are you not part of the kingdom? Well, the question is, how does one get into the kingdom? And again, you're going to have different answers to this. But the third question is, what, is the, what are the distinguishing marks of one who belongs to the kingdom? Now, Galatians is going to answer those three questions primarily. But you may have other questions, like, one, are you saved? Just because you go to this church does not mean you are saved. Just because you belong to a group of Christians doesn't mean you are saved. Just because you have the right answer to the question doesn't mean you are saved. Just because you do good works. Jesus says, I don't know you. You can do the Jeopardy thing. I can give you the right answer. But your heart may be covered. And so the question, are you saved, is a question that Paul wants you to have answered so that you have a peaceful heart with that. But the other question is about how does this grace, what is grace? I always want to go back to try to, I'm not doing enough. I've got to perform the Christian life. I've got to work harder, be more committed. And, and that seems to take away from the joy. There's lots of questions about the Christian life, living out that grace that we have questions with. Or as you come into the idea, this is about walking in a new way as a new creature. As Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And that new creation says that the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Well, this is what's going on. In the book of Galatia, you have brought together so many points that God is trying to break through in a Gentile world. New wine. Old wineskins, Jewish traditions. New wine. 
new kingdom traditions. And therefore, the old traditional ways don't match the new spiritual life. And that tension is real for the Galatians. So let me bring this, let me bring this to a close with a little story. It's a story that I hope will help you set the scene as you read through the book. Imagine in your mind's eye that you are a rabbi from Antioch, Pisidia, and you've just walked 80 miles down into the city of Lystra, into the marketplace. So you come into the marketplace. And you hear this conversation. Excuse me. Uh, my name is Caleb, and I'm a rabbi from the temple over in Antioch. Yes? What can I do for you? Well, I'm looking for the synagogue here in, uh, in, in the city. Uh, because, well, it's hard to explain, but back in Antioch, there was these guys that came through, Barnabas and Paul and some other guys. And boy, they did, they just, well, they've created a, a disturbance in the synagogue. You see, there's a lot of Gentiles who are coming into our synagogue, and they're saying that this guy, Paul, is teaching them that they can come into the synagogue now freely. And, 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 and a group of them came to us treating us as though we were brothers. They thought that they were one of, one of us. And they came in so excited to see us, and, and they wanted to, to embrace us and say, hey, we, we're now with, we're on the same page. We're, you and I are the, and, and, and we thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're Gentile. You're, you're from that tribe over there, and, and you're, you, you're, you're invading our space. You, you want to be part of it? Yeah, yeah, well, this Paul guy in Barnabas said that we don't have to do some of the things that, like, you guys observe the Torah, and, and we like eating certain foods. And, but he said, don't worry about that. It's, a, it's just about having the relationship. And, the, and, and these Gentiles have come in, and boy, they're asking us questions about do we need to be circumcised because they don't have to do that anymore, they don't have to keep the law. And, and so, I mean, we're getting overwhelmed by these Gentiles coming into our synagogue and changing the whole way we do things here. So we're looking for this Paul and Barnabas. There are some other guys. You know where the temple is? And the guy says, yeah. I go to that temple. Uh, I don't get it. Paul was just here. They were just here three weeks ago. They finished the seminar. They're waiting for some of the other guys who are out in the field in Phrygia, and they're doing evangelism over there. And he just left. And you're saying, what? Well, he's, wait, he's bad news. Don't listen to Paul because Paul is not legitimate. You've got to understand that he's going throughout our region and he's really messing up a whole lot of people's minds. He's a cult leader. What? Paul, a cult leader? I can't, really? He says, listen, listen. Who authorized him to come over here? I don't know, he didn't say. Well, what agency sent him out? What's his mission agency? Well, he, did, he didn't have one. Uh, did he come from Jerusalem? No, of course not. The Jerusalem leaders didn't send him over here. He's a rogue missionary out. He's an independent bird. 
And he's really out to mess up your mind. Really? Really? I thought he was pretty... Really? He wasn't authorized by Jerusalem. He wasn't authorized by anybody except that group up in Antioch. But the, the, the apostles, the 12 apostles, he's not even an apostle. He didn't even walk with Jesus. And here he is telling you guys, he's illegitimate. He's illegitimate. Don't listen to Paul. And besides, he's a hypocrite. This guy was out. He was supervising the stoning of people. Peter, and he is persecuting. I'm telling you, this guy is bad news. He's lost it. He's a fanatic. He's under no authority, no one's accountability, and therefore he's coming into our city and he's coming into your city to disturb. He is perverting the Jewish way of thinking. So if you're involved with Paul, you're in trouble. But he just left about a month ago. Oh, I didn't know that. I was just, maybe I was wrong. I was duped. I'm just a, I'm a Gentile too. And I started going to this temple because of what Paul said. You mean I have to go back through what the Torah says? And Well, absolutely. You want to be part of the kingdom of God? You got to do it our way. You don't do it our way. You don't keep our things. You're, you're illegitimate as well. You see, you see, the tension is if you destroy the law, you destroy the temple, you destroy what we're doing, and you substitute it for this criminal Jesus, this cult leader Paul, you'll be accursed. You won't get to heaven. You'll be in hell. Wow. And therefore, stay away from Paul. Stay away from Barnabas. Stay away from these guys. They're bad news. Well, what do I do? Get under the teaching of the rabbi. If you want to convert as a Gentile, you follow the Gent Jewish way of doing things. That's the way we have done it for 2,000 years. You're right. I'm going to leave this, Jesus. I'm going to leave this, Paul. I'm going to go to the temple to my Lord. That's the tension. They left Christ. They left Christ. They were persuaded to leave Paul. And with that, Paul introduces the book of Galatians. We are in the similar boat when people are saying to you, it doesn't matter. It's not true. It's not real. You don't need Christ. You don't need it. Just do your own thing. It's interesting that you have a group of people over here who want to be challenging the conservative way of saying, get, get out of the, uh, you got to be more conservative. You got to be law abiding. That's not our problem in our country. Our problem is the same, but on the opposite way, we are becoming not law-abiding, rewriting the laws. We become lawless or liberal in our thinking. So you jettison the Christian values, and you jettison both of them. But point is, you've jettisoned Christ. And with that, 
or in turbulent waters, dangerous territories. And therefore us, how do you set your heart free from these influences that are coming in saying, you should do this, you should do that. You have to have your heart anchored in the grace and the gospel. And if that's there, and I don't know if it is there for you. I don't know really at the core what you do believe. You may give the right answers, but that life in Christ is what Paul is going to bring about as we get into the book of Galatians. It's an exciting book. It's an exciting book. So, as you read, I want to just close with this, that uh, God's going to hold you fast. God's going to hold you, whether you understand him or not. God's spirit as, is at work. And therefore, this song, as you listen to our closing song, you're going to hear something about Jesus Christ. And you need to focus on Christ because he is the center focus. If you lose that focus, you're off on the side. And I don't want you to lose that focus because he's the one that's going to set your heart free. Not me, not the culture, not you, Christ. He'll hold you fast. Listen as we close with this hymn.